Welcome to the Celebration Sessions, a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. As I step further into the world of celebrancy, I want to share my journey as I learn more about just what makes us tick, how we fall in love, how we celebrate the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. Alongside that, this is my reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on this journey. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. Yes, indeed. The Celebration Sessions with myself, Connor Clear. Thank you once again for joining me. Delighted you're tuned in and wherever you're listening to this at the moment. I hope you're well. Now, I have to say I'm very excited about this episode. We're just going to jump straight in. It's an interesting one. We are back around to looking at the ideas of loss and grief. And this time we're exploring at least one way that so many people choose to remember loved ones who have passed, it seems. Uh, Now, I've read a number of news articles recently reporting how tattoo parlors have been experiencing somewhat of a shift in demand. You could say a rise in demand almost since since COVID, towards the memorial tattoo. Now, it's such a fascinating phenomenon. And joining me for this episode is Dr. John Troyer. Now, having grown up in the American funeral industry, he's now the director of the Centre for Death and Society and associate professor in the Department of Social and Policy Sciences at the University of Bath. Dr. John Troyer, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Connor. It's a real pleasure. I'm happy, happy to be here. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about uh, where in the world are you joining us from today? So I I am sitting uh, right now in the great state of Wisconsin, nice. uh, up in the northern, northern Midwest of the United States, Indeed. Uh, in um, my hometown of Hudson, which is <clears throat> near the it's near the border. Uh, it's on the border with the state of Minnesota, uh, so not far from uh, the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. So more more likely than not, your listeners will have heard of Minneapolis if they've heard of any city, and that's it's about thirty five minutes away by car. and And I lived there for many years. Did did my academic uh, educational work at the University of Minnesota. Fantastic, fantastic. And indeed, I first came across your work. I just mentioned this before we came to air. Um, I first came across you and your work last year uh, when I took part as a spectator in the Good Grief Festival in, in the UK. And I was so taken by your your talk that you did about memorial tattoos. And from there then, in, in putting this podcast together then, uh, I came across some of your other writings that you, that you would have done in a professional capacity through through the University of Bath as well. So I just knew, I said, I have to talk to this person. So thank you so much for joining me today. Let's start from the start. I'd love to get my head around at least a brief history of the tattoo, the idea of, of using ink on the body, but also I guess and I would imagine there is probably a lot of crossover as well, but where in the timeline that the idea of using a tattoo as a memorial comes into play as well? Sure. I mean, tattooing is something that's been around culturally for, I mean, for a long time. And, you know, anthropologists will be the first to point out that most cultures have their own word for a tattoo uh, and what what it's called, whether it's in uh, whatever language group. So the word tattoo that we use uh, comes from the South Pacific, Um uh, and it's a Tahitian word, tattoo, T-A-T-U, that was picked up by uh, James Cook and his men uh, on um, 
his explorations into uh, the Pacific, uh, specific, like the Hawaiian Islands and then New Zealand and Australia. Uh, and that is where they encountered uh, tattooing, um, particularly amongst the Maori people, but not only the Maori people, um, in, in the 18th century. And, right. uh, but before that, I mean, there was tattooing amongst indigenous populations across North, what we would now call North and South America, but also in the Romans, um, you know, across the, what we would now call sort of the Middle East broadly defined. So, or, and, and then of course in Japan, so it's a decorative art. It's a, um, art of interest amongst humans for a long time. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, and so it's, it's one of those things. <laughs> Uh, and so, but it is, it is striking to me that it is through 18th century exploration, you know, discovering, discovered lands, Yeah, <laughs> James Cook, <laughs> uh, but that the, um, that's where the word tattoo really starts to become the main word used. Although different, again, you will find other words used still, um, in different cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when you think of Maori cultures or, or certainly Polynesian or T- Tahitian cultures as well, I guess the idea of using that that ink on the body as a memorial was actually, how do I phrase it? It's inbuilt in its in its story and its reason, I guess. Yeah, is it? no, absolutely. Is yeah, indeed it is. And in fact, um, a, a good friend of mine who's a um, Maori elder i think i can say elder now and not just auntie you have to be careful now it's very funny about these things. i think so um I, you I, can I, on this podcast yeah i think well no because i'm always clear with her i'm like so are, are, are you officially an elder now or are you still an auntie and and i think she i think she would say elder and she's done a lot of really great work on uh, as a, a maori uh, scholar of tattooing around the Maori use of tattooing, but and she was very clear about this. And I had the good fortune to meet her many years ago. Now about how you know because she knew I was interested in, or she didn't know I was interested in tattoos. I explained it was, and she said, "Well, you know, within within my culture, the tattooing, what we were doing was telling the story of our people. So it wasn't wow. it wasn't purely a decorative form. It was it was a narrative form. And this is where I think." this is where I think tattooing for me has always become so interesting because yes, tattoos are an image, but they're also a story. And even if that story is, you know, ridiculous uh, or quite meaningful, it's still a narrative. And so this is why you, yeah. you have this, this narrative visual form of, of storytelling, uh, which is why I think then memorialization becomes a quite obvious connection because what are we doing? We're telling the story of someone we love who's died. And and using that memory, and so you do find, uh, and even in to use a more recent-ish example, nineteenth-century examples of tattooing, which were collected by Cesare Lombroso, who was the Italian criminologist. Um, he was interested in collecting tattoo images because he was trying to prove that that criminals had. Ta- he was trying to he was trying to prove an element of criminality with tattooing. So his argument was that. Criminals have t- tattoos. Therefore, if you have a tattoo or tattoos, you must be a criminal in that way that his logic was so circular and, and wonderful and beautiful in that way. Um, but it also became a way to really sort of describe other than neighboring or, or well, yeah, neighboring countries as barbaric. And so this is one way, for example, the Italians were always describing the British as being sort of, you know, cultural heathens. Uh, specific, I can, oh, specifically the English. I can't speak to the Irish, actually, which is a different topic. But that 
tattooing, you know, there's two groups of people who get tattoos in the 19th century, the aristocracy and the well-off, and then the, right. the maritime uh, uh, workers, because it, it, okay. you had to, and it, it, a lot of it just involves traveling. So members of the royal family um, were tattooed. Uh, and tattooing was regarded as something that, you know, which makes sense if you think about it. One, because you had to travel to the foreign lands to get tattoos done by the masters in the foreign lands. So that also included the nice. maritime tradition of it. Uh, but two, it costs money. And, you know, your average working class or very poor people didn't have the luxury of money to be spending on tattoos. So, course, so yeah, th- yeah. there's, I mean, there's there's a kind of forgotten history of the the affluent classes that had tattoos um, which has kind of been forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess there's a, an idea as well, if you're aristocracy or if you are, uh, you know, a seafarer traveling the world, there is that element then of, of storytelling yeah. and yeah. Re- remembering that journey as well. So that exists in, in that branch of history as well. Yeah, documenting your travels, for example, to the Holy Land or to Japan. And you touched, actually, you mentioned Japan there because you touched on on how it had been culturally received. Am I right in saying, like, for example, the Japanese would have a, a shaky history with how it's been perceived culturally, I think. is the, Would that be the case? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's fair to say, actually, that all cultures have had different the the tattoo has always been around but how it's how it's welcomed and how it's perceived is is kind of come and gone and changed you know what i mean and and it um i mean that's why that's to me for if you want to look at just for example the english or even the american experience of tattooing i mean that's why that's why i find the 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 sort of the inclusion of tattooing into a kind of like low class or you know working class sort of marker as as just oblivious to the history of tattooing. Uh, but how quickly that happened where, you know, suddenly there was this, this notion that tattooing was these things, but, but also, you know, it, 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 as if you will, fashion changes, then you can expect to see these things. Now you end up in situations where you've got sort of like, you know, what are regarded as almost like, you know, acceptable high class tattoos and then sort of like low class or high culture, low culture tattoos. <laughs> but no, and you know, is it is it a bespoke, you know, I don't know, ornate, delicate tattoo or is it a comic book character? You know, something like that, which is not me taking a shot at comic book characters in case anyone listening has a comic book character tattoo. But that's why that's one of the reasons I've always been interested in the memorial tattoo, because I think it I think it transcends those categories Uh, that if if it's memorializing someone who's died, then it, it it escapes in part some of that judgment. I, do you know what? I would tend to agree with that as well, because as open-minded as I think I would be, sometimes you do see a tattoo and you go, oh, yeah. what were you thinking? <laughs> because, yeah, no, do I you know. know, but if somebody says, oh, that's for my mother or my father or, or whoever, you go, oh, okay, no, that's lovely. That's, you know, yeah. that's that's really nice. So it, do, it does carry a different emotional weight yes. when you know what it signifies yeah, like yeah, that? Yes. No, I, the, one of the, the tattoo artists I've worked with the most over the years, Alwyn, who's done my own tattoos. Um, you know, Alwyn has a policy like, you know, you know, you just generally as a tattoo artist, you try not to laugh at other at tattoos you see because, you know, you don't know, but has, but has also, Alwyn has also done some cover up jobs, um, which is the best way okay. to get rid of a tattoo and has seen the original tattoo and, and said, 
you know, I literally had to sort of like suck in my cheeks to keep from laughing because the <laughs> tattoo was so atrocious. And the person is usually very apologetic too. Like, I'm sorry, it's so embarrassing. But you know, anyway, so, so it, it does happen, but this is one thing I've always, I've, I've learned, like, you know, you never judge a person's tattoo because it, the ink often can tell a story that, Absolutely, absolutely that you wouldn't know which is not to say there aren't funny tattoos so there aren't tattoos where you think why in the world did you decide to get that or what is often the case or is sometimes the case is the tattoo changes meaning so for example it may have <clears throat> the tattoo may have been you know may someone may have gotten a tattoo with a friend one time because I thought it was funny or whatever. And they actually didn't, they didn't really like the tattoo and thought it was kind of dumb, but they didn't know what to do with it. Well, and then the friend dies or in one case I knew someone where the friend had committed suicide. Uh, and so that tattoo then actually became very meaningful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and all it's sort of ridiculous. You mentioned storytelling there. So in terms of memorial tattoos, is there a language? Yeah. What do they look like in terms of icons and Meaning, because I think, and, and you mentioned it in, in a talk that I saw you do before, you you, you could spot a, a memorial tattoo uh, when you saw one. What, what do they look like in terms of iconography and meaning? <laughs> yeah, no, the the proverbial how do you how do you know a memorial tattoo and it's staring you in the face? The <laughs> it is I don't it's, it is it's an uncanny thing for I think for me where sometimes when I just look at a tattoo, I, I can't explain some of them. Some of them I can just tell. And actually, but I, I don't just go up to people and ask them about their tattoos. Like, hey, so is that tattoo for someone who died? You know, because that, I mean, although to be to be frank about it, most people with memorial tattoos, tattoos in general, but memorial tattoos are okay about talking about them. And if they don't want to, yeah. then they won't. Dude, it's, it's not, I think sometimes we can be, you know, apprehensive about it. But the question you're asking is, are there like sort of common tropes or symbols or representations? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the answer is, yeah, you can like, so one, one common one, you, the easiest one to spot, of course, is something like RIP and then a name and you do find that. So that perhaps that's a bit, a bit too, um, uh, too obvious, but you know, even then, and sometimes a name or whatever that might be, uh, other, other ones you'll find particularly amongst, um, um, mothers but then sometimes oftentimes fathers too you'll see a transfer of the footprint that's taken of the infant when they're born or, or a handprint but okay, i've seen more yeah, yeah, feet yeah. done and that's scanned and then the the footprint itself becomes the tattoo uh right. either by itself or then done that way um angels religious symbols um uh there's a whole genre of memorial tattoo for animals for dead pets so you do find um, I've seen very intricate dog portraits done, so or flowers and and in the more elaborate cases. And I think one of the ones, the one of the memorial tattoos I showed that you saw in the talk I gave was of a very elaborate back piece of a, a woman, um, indeed sitting on a the beach. Full in, back, in, the in full Hawaii. back, very elaborate. It was a full. It was a, it's it's an beautiful. elaborate, it's a beautiful. Work. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece, and 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 I think it was because of, you could tell the care that had been put into it, um, and that it wasn't. It had there was a, there was a lot going on narratively yeah, within it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That that much I could tell. So that's why I wanted to, but again, and I want to make it clear to all your listeners, I do not 
go up to women on the beach, <laughs> you know, in bikinis and like, hey, tell me about your tattoo. Like, that is not something I do. I want to make that very clear. Well, now, in your defense, uh, like you say, people are very happy to, I think, for the most part. And I'd agree when you say absolutely. It, she was. It, she was very cool about it. But yeah. I, I also, um, I am very respectful of space and I want to make sure that, <laughs> anyway, so, because um, it, but she was, and she was very cool. And, and actually it said like, wow, it's, that's uncanny that you spotted that. And she's, and she just said like, how did you know that? And I said, well, it's just, it's the, the tattoo itself is just too, and I know we're on, we're sort of on radio, we're in an audio form right now, but it, it's an elaborate sort of tree with lots of birds and butterflies. And the, and these were, this was a, this is a large fullback tattoo. So it would have taken a lot of time. And I think that was the part that just said to me, this was telling a story of, of different people. And it was, and it was her, all her relatives who had died. Uh, yeah. So there was, yeah. it was just something about that 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 spoke to me that way. Um, actually, side note: while we talk about the duration of tattoos, <laughs> I wasn't going to go down this road, but I mean, I I have my father's signature on my arm. Um, well, I was going to ask you. So, what is the memorial tattoo that you have? Yeah, so that's what it is. I found his signature when we were going through paperwork, and I scanned it in. But that took me. Ten, it's the only tattoo I have. It took me ten fifteen minutes in the chair. And it was so painful. It was so painful to get that done. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, having a full back. How long would it take? That that tattoo that that's in question that we're talking about now, how long would that take in a chair? Oh, days. I mean, it, you, oh, that my would word. take. I mean, I, mean, I because I, I have tattoos in my arms. Well, first of all, let me take a step back, Connor. Thank you for talking about your tattoo. I appreciate that. And two, you do find a lot of signatures. I should have yeah, said that yeah. as well. You do, yeah. you do find the signature as a tattoo. Um, actually celebrity signature tattoos are a thing, which I find fascinating. Um, As in, like autographs. Yeah. Either a transfer <laughs> or have, have, I'm not joking. Have the celebrity wow. sign your body and then you get that tattoo. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, look, you know, who am yeah, I to George? I, you're into. <laughs> I know exactly. I, I, I just, I, you just think like, and what happens if that celebrity becomes infamous, not famous? This is true. You know, this is true. Thing. This is true. I mean, there's a whole genre of, of uh, Michael Jackson tattoo, uh, uh, which most of which were done before, you know, before he had died, but then also before more explicit information to come out indeed, about. Indeed. About indeed. That's, that's just one example. Celebrities, you have to be careful. It is. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but, Certainly in this so, day and age. Coming back to the, the time of tattoo, you're right. And in fact, the duration of the tattoo, this gets into actually one of the more fascinating parts of memorial tattooing, I think, which is that, you know, one of the reasons I think people get memorial tattoos is in part the commitment to it and uh, or a commitment to remembering the deceased, Yeah. Uh, particularly in an era which in which everything is so digital now and somewhat ephemeral. The tattoo is an old school commitment uh, to to something permanent, uh, barring you know cover up or barring laser removal, which is even more painful than the tattoo and not one hundred percent effective. Yeah. Um, and so I think that what you're asking is is you're right. I mean, a tattoo itself. And so the tattoo I was talking about the tattoos in my arms. I have tattoos in my arms from my parents who aren't they aren't they're not dead. Um, we've had some close calls the last couple of years, but they're oh, still word. alive, which is great. And, good, good. um, yeah. And you know, that those were eight hours sessions, uh, 
to do most of them because it takes time. So, so, you know, to do an even bigger back full back piece would take days or multiple sessions. Um, and one thing I think to keep in mind too, for a lot of like, you know, the more elaborate the complexity tattoo, you know, it, it will run you into the thousands of you know dollars or thousands of whatever currency you're in. So it's not a minor financial commitment. And in fact, there are, I've seen interviews with military service members who lose a leg or an arm, but usually an arm in some kind of accident or explosion of some kind. And the one thing that a lot of them will say is the thing that really makes me upset is I just lost thousands of dollars of tattoos of course. that I had, I put on, you know, my body, which I, I completely get. I don't think it's a trivial, you know, facile response at all. No, I can relate to that because I think once you start to go down that road, your body becomes a canvas and it's, yeah, oh, it's yeah. like yeah. losing a priceless work of art. I think, um, yeah, I, just I can, your memories. Yeah. I yeah. can empathize with that. And yeah. so there's been a, there's actually been a move to, to decorate, uh, prosthetics with, um, uh, similarish kind of tattoo, uh, like, you know, images. So as far as the pain of the tattoo goes, yeah. I'll, and I've seen some accounts of, for example, um, uh, a number of years ago now, I think it was channel four did a, a, an interview of women, uh, an interview. It was an interview about, uh, adult children or children who had died and an interview with, with two, I think it was two moms and one of them was going in to get a tattoo on her wrist of like a butterfly, which is another kind of common, you know, common tattoo, but a common memorial tattoo, yeah. particularly for, for daughters. And she started to cry and she said, you know, I'm not crying because of the pain of the, the needle. I'm crying because of the death of my daughter, more or less. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And I think you do find that a lot too, which is I, in, in speaking of tattoo artists where the, they'll say the person, um, finds a uh, you know an emotional release because of the the tattoo being done. Uh, and Alwyn, who I was talking about earlier, has actually in one case stopped a tattoo because the there was a young man who got a tattoo. I think it was for his brother who committed suicide. He it was the first time he'd shown any emotion, and he just started crying violently, and okay, could yeah, they couldn't yeah. do the tattoo. Um, so so as far as the pain of the needle, you're right, and I think that for anyone who's gotten a tattoo you know that pain, but also to, and there are more painful parts of the bodies than others to be sure for a tattoo to be done. But that, that is something that you just sort of, you know, that's just, you come to accept that that's part of the agreement. I guess so. Yeah. So there's that idea of commitment and I guess an idea of ritual as well. I think that, that, that goes into it, that you yeah. know, you're giving something of yourself to, to the person you've lost, I guess. Yeah. I, tell, I mean, the, I think sometimes it, it becomes really, I mean, this is, that's the joke about, you know, the joke about anthropologists is everything comes from culture and the joke for, about archaeologists is everything comes from ritual. And I think that the, there is an element of ritual here, although I tend to, sometimes I think we, it's, we, we too easily describe things as rituals. I'm not saying they're not, but that just becomes our sort of catch all. Like, why do yeah. people do this? Well, it's a ritual. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And which is not to say rituals don't happen before, you know, I get, well, or you get Connor emails from my rate listeners. Uh, but that I, yeah. you know, there is, there is an element of that ritual thing. But I also think that, that there's, I think it's something more than ritual. I think it's, I mean, there's a series of choices. There's just a series of, 
of I think just acts of remembrance going on. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And I think that that is, and, but that, you know, and you want to do it, which I think yeah. is important. Um, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I don't want to keep you all day, but I do want to touch on, you know, a shift in fashions. If, if there has been such over the years, has there been a big changing point since COVID? What, what have you noticed uh, in terms of, of the, um, the, the, the landscape of fashions over the years? Well, so COVID's a good example about changes in tattooing. And one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm following with COVID because it, it's a pandemic and because it is something that is, is you've suddenly seen a huge uptick in the number of deaths and that it offers an opportunity to see what happens in terms of memorialization. Um, and so initially in the, in the, the pandemic itself, there was a whole group of sort of, if you will, jokey, um, I'm not, I don't even know if you could call it satirical, but, you know, sort of yeah. verging on the poor taste kind of tattoos yeah, about yeah, COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. A lot of really dumb tattoos about like toilet paper, you know, and yeah, things like that, yes. um, which you can find. But as, as the pandemic goes along, you are beginning to find more and more people who are getting tattoos for someone who died. Now, there's a, mm-hmm. there is a really interesting situation here which is you know the closure of tattoo shops during many different kinds of national lockdowns and so as they begin to open up and then close and then reopen up i this is one of the things i want to go back and look at i'm curious how how people coming back into the tattoo shops or can get in start to then request or have tattoos done for people who died during the interesting actually um and then i i I think one thing what i would like to hear from an expert i think such as yourself for any of the listeners uh, who are thinking of doing something like this who may have lost somebody who wants to remember somebody you know what what would you advise people to to think about and where should you start if if you're going to go and do this well, I think, I mean, I think the key thing about a memorial tattoo or any tattoo writ large, but a memorial tattoo is that, you know, any, any tattoo that you want, any tattoo you think you want in the moment should be a tattoo you want in like a year. Yeah. So, so give it some time would be what I would say. So if you, if you find it is, or take time finding a design, uh, and figuring out what you want to do. And so that if you want to then, you know, find the design and then just take a, take a, you know, cooling off period as we might call it, and then go back to it and decide, do I want to do this? And I think that makes sense. Like there's don't, don't feel any, there's no rush to get it done. And, you know, think about where you want it on your body. Think about, you know, do you, um, just think about all those elements going in, but that I, 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 I'm always a big advocate against the idea of the impulsive Very tattoo, so, yeah. uh, which is, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, people are going to do what people are going to do, but it would be, I think my advice is just spend some time, figure out maybe, maybe it's an object, maybe it's a photo. Um, there is another form of very elaborate memorial tattoo, which is the portrait tattoo, which is literally taken, you know, a portrait of a person. Those are the most Indeed. intricate and complicated. Um, 
uh, to remember a person. So I, that that's my advice. It's just is I think take some time. And, and I think probably on a subconscious level, I, I probably did do that at the time um, with, with my one small tattoo that I have. Uh, but I think it's opened the door. I'm, I'm looking forward now to, to hopefully getting more as time goes on. But like that, they'll they'll be you know emotionally weighted. They will mean they will mean stuff to me. Um, but I, I didn't take the decision lightly. I spoke for years with my friends who had tattoos and I've been talking about this for so long sure. that their heads must have been melted with me saying no I'm, go- I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and I said Connor just do it so I went yeah. into uh, Dublin Inc one day with, with, yeah. uh, with my friend Gordon we had a couple of drinks across the street in a pre-COVID world and uh, we were able to go in and uh, and I haven't looked back right. um, now so many listeners have gotten in touch with comments I put a, a little thing up on Instagram there yesterday Um. And lots of you have wanted to get involved in the conversation and the overall feedback has, has been really positive. And even from people who don't yet have tattoos, you know, so many people are open to this, which, which I think is really lovely. Um, now, I did get one voice note from Karina O'Brien, who told me a remarkable story about getting a tattoo uh, to commemorate her late mother. So, uh, Karina. Hey, Celebration Sessions. Um, I thought I'd share this story with you. Um, about the time that I had gotten a memorial tattoo in remembrance of my mother. Um, And I don't normally believe in these things, so I thought it was an interesting story. Basically, I'd gotten the tattoo. Uh, I planned on getting a full sleeve. I have approximately one third of it done. And I was talking to a friend and she was saying how lovely it was. And she said, oh, your mom would love that. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. She hated tattoos, so, you know, she probably wouldn't, but it's for me in her memory and it's stuff that reminds me of her. And I like tattoos, so I wanted to get it anyway. So after speaking to said friend, I proceeded to drive to another friend. And while I was driving to my other friend, a text message popped up on the screen in my car. The message that popped up on the screen was from Mammy saying, oh, you're very good. Thanks. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Um, needless to say I almost crashed the car because my mother at this stage had been dead over three years Um, (laughs) so yeah obviously trying to find the logic and everything so yeah (laughs) that's my story now Karina thank you so much for that remarkable story now like Karina says she doesn't believe in any of that type of communication I think I certainly do um, and when I heard that for the first time, the hairs on the back of my neck stood. That's a remarkable story. Karina, thank you for that. John, before I let you go, um, I want to share your book. You have a remarkable book, The Technology of the Human Corpse. Tell us a bit about that. Sure. Well, it's plural, actually. It's Technologies of the Human Corpse, which Connor. I spend in a, in a... That's all right, man. Don't worry about it. I spend an enormous <laughs> amount of time, perhaps perhaps too much time explaining the plural, not the singular <laughs> technology <laughs> of the human corpse. Yeah, MIT Press, uh, it came out um, uh, in uh, early summer 2020, uh, spring depends, and um, available at all the places you can buy books. But it, it's a it's a book I spent perhaps way too long on, but MIT um, 
was very good about then having me. And so it's part, it's part look, it's a part look at sort of a broad view of what we would, we, we might describe as human technological interventions with the dead body. What does that mean? Uh, you know, things like embalming, but also photography and photographing the dead, mm. um, you know, c- creating sort of visual templates, 19th century photography, um, but also train travel, you know, shipping dead bodies across, uh, wow. But then also responses to things like epidemics. Uh, chapter three of the book is on the AIDS epidemic and its impact in funeral service. And I had actually never expected chapter three to suddenly become in some ways the most relevant chapter of the book. But, but you know, I work as a historian and sort of thinker around the AIDS epidemic. And that has in, in very many ways become the most relevant part of the book re- related to COVID for different reasons. They're different, but I, I keep, Actually, just as a footnote, keeping asked to give presentations around yeah. the sort of the history of AIDS and what we can think about it, how we can think about it in the context of COVID nineteen. Uh, and in fact, my editor at MIT is after me to write a book about that now, <laughs> which yeah, I need to do. Um, but then also things like plastination, Gunther von Hagen's and body worlds, which people will know. Uh, but then also just the general politics around death and dying and how we can think about that. Uh, it is a, then also, and this, this became important to me, but not the original concept of the book part memoir. Uh, as I, I talk in the preface to the book, I talk about the death of my younger sister, Julie, from uh, brain okay. cancer at age 43, which sorry, is a couple of years ago. And, uh, and so it, I think in, in discussing my own experiences of grief and bereavement, which again, I'd never set out to do the book, uh, you know, becomes part memoir, which I had never wanted to write. And, uh, yeah, so it, yeah. it, it's, um, it's a hybrid, um, has not been everyone's taste. I've, it, it's either been one of those, I love it, or this is an atrocious book kind of, thing. <laughs> so, but you know, it is what it is. I, yeah, I expected that it was fun. Well, do you know what? I, I think this series of podcasts, I think for me, uh, as I learn more about, you know, grief and loss, it's it's about embracing the good times, I think, and knowing how to, to celebrate and hence name the celebration sessions. But I do certainly want to have a healthier conversation around, you know, loss and grief. Uh, one of yeah. my early episodes was about how the Irish do death. And I think around the world, I think we, we are perceived to have a healthy attitude um, yeah. towards death, yeah. perhaps not so much the journey of grief afterwards. Um, right. But, but certainly I think having an honest and frank discussion uh, about loss and grief, I think is, is so healthy. And, 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 and like the, the topic of the book, the technologies of the human corpse and, and the remains of the body, I think is, is a really important discussion to have. So yeah. I would invite uh, my listeners to get onto M- MIT press. Is that where the book is available? Well, it's from? MIT, it's, it's MIT press, but it's, it's, a, it's available around the world and all the places you would want to buy a book. So you can, you can find it. I won't name any particular sellers because I know people, have their, own, their preferences Indeed. but yeah and you can get it you can get it in the uk you can get it in the us you can get it wherever you want to it, it, it's interesting kind of you mentioned about the irish shoe because it is there's there is a real i have to be honest with everyone about this particularly your irish listeners who may appreciate this i always find the irish have an appreciation of this that there is there is this real kind of um what's the word i'm looking for here um uh a real holding up of the Irish by non-Irish people as the people who get death right. 
and uh, and I've I've always found that fascinating because I've done really? I've done events where there have been Irish people in the audience who ask you know you're like what do you think about how you know the Irish are always described as the best people who do everything right with death and I said yeah you know I've noticed that like there is this sort of almost romanticizing of the Irish as somehow being this these people more connected to death or something which is just which is just to say that I think that the you know the you know, in America, obviously, because of immigration, explicitly, you know, we incorporated a lot of ideas, particularly from 19th century Irish and also Scottish, um, but certainly Irish, Scottish, um, Catholic traditions of memorialization and funeral, um, many of which have, have been stripped of the religious uh, elements, although not entirely, you do still find, obviously, a very dedicated uh, Catholic, where you still do find very yeah, dedicated yeah. Catholic communities. Uh, but also Protestant, in case anyone. Oh, indeed. You know, again, oh, no, we're very diverse. Very diverse. Um, no, it's funny because actually, when this came up in episode two, um, th- th- we spoke about Hollywood and how it's how the Irish wake is depicted in Hollywood. Uh, and the one thing that came into my mind was the scene in The Wire where an Irish police officer had died and he was laid out yeah. on the snooker table in the Irish bar. And I just thought, I don't recognize that. That doesn't happen in Ireland, you know? Um, and we probably do yeah. have, yeah. you know, when appropriate, if somebody has lived a, a long life, we, we'd we'd have, we would celebrate that life, I think. And and I think that's where that yeah. idea comes from. And, and we do have some positive, nice, loving rituals. Yeah. But every so often I just see things, if it's you know in a movie or on TV, and I, I yeah. just think, no, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. I mean, what, one of the things that I always cracks, I think, particularly for my Scottish colleagues who find this endlessly fascinating and a bit bemusing, you know, it is, it is the norm, particularly on the east east coast of the United States, that if you are a police officer or a firefighter, to have bagpipes played at your funeral. Uh, and um, and they have a whole bagpipe corps who do this, but you know that person may have been a you know Jewish policeman or firefighter, yeah, yeah. or Muslim, uh, or non-religious. Do you know what I mean? And so it, it so they'll they'll be playing like Amazing Grace on bagpipes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. which is very moving if you've ever heard it. But yeah. but it it, it is it, it's not. It's just different than than how. It's, but I think too, if there's anything in, in sort of the broad view of what we've been talking about today, it, it is just how you know funerals or memorialization practices become these hybrids. That, Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, Absolutely. really mix and you know mix and pull in different kinds of of um, categories. And e- and even if it's even if and you do hear this quite a bit, like, well, this is how my my you know my ancestors did it in the homeland or back in the home country, which you do hear that quite a bit in America, I can say with some authority, uh, you know, even if that's not true it, in some ways it both matters, but also it doesn't matter because it's just a good rationalization to do what you want to do. <laughs> to yeah, remember the yeah. deceased. So, you know, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like it's not, uh, you know, that's not, I, I, as long as no one gets hurt, well, this I is true. And I guess customs and traditions are are, are always uh, evolving. Um, you know, we could talk about this all day, so I won't keep you any longer. Um, I'm so appreciative of your time. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And we've just started really to move on to other interesting topics there. So you might come back and, and join me again some other time, will you? Yeah, anytime, man. It's good. 
Yeah, you ask good questions, brother. I'm always happy to. And and, like I, and I said, you know, like when we emailed, I said, you know, I'm, I'm a my mom's family is Scott, actually Scottish and Norwegian. We were all over the place, but yeah, the Cowan family. So I come from a long line of Scotch Irish who went back and forth between Scotland and and uh, Ireland. Mostly for work, it seems. <laughs> and of course, the Cowan name, the Cowan yeah. name, it's is a political dynasty in Ireland, so it's a, it's, a, it's a good name. It's a good yeah, name, indeed. Um, yeah. Listen, as I said, I'm so appreciative of your time. As I said, having seen you on the Good Grief Festival last year, I was so taken. So I just chanced my arm reaching out to you, and you said yes. So I'm very grateful. Um, but look, I will let you go. And as I said, I hope you'll come back to the celebrations again. Uh, of course, and, and share your wisdom. Please, I'd love to. That would be a real pleasure. Thank you so much, John Troyer, for that chat. And thank you uh, to you, the listener. Uh, the Celebration Sessions is available on connorclear.com, uh, along with uh, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Acast, SoundCloud, anywhere where you get your uh, podcasts. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so you don't miss an episode. That is it for this time. Till the next time, take care. This has been The Celebration Sessions. Mm-hmm.